Off the ball. And Munster are failing at that detail. It's not the big picture that's killing them. It's it's the minutia, the detail that's taking them apart. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Now then, you're very welcome along to Off the Ball this evening. David Brady is going to join us this hour. He is fresh from leading Retoth to a Mead Senior Championship at the weekend. They beat Summerhill by a point. He's a very happy man. So David Brady is with us this evening. We have a slight tangent between eight and nine. We have lots to get through. You can still get in touch maybe and uh, get a few topics in there if you're interested. A slight tangent at offtheball.com or of course you can text us as well. Dan McDonald will be in for the football show. Loads to chat to Dan about. And then also with us this evening is Kate Rowan of The Telegraph. She's going to talk to us about the Chelsea manager, Emma Hayes, currently going through an incredibly uh, tough time. So Kate Rowan of The Telegraph, also on the football show. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy uh, with us now. And we'll be along for a slight tangent. Always an extra pep in your step when it's a slight tangent evening. Is it, yeah? Oh, yeah. I always feel like I have to come out and like hold, hold me wished in the news round out. So it's got to be a lot, of, a lot of you and Richie chatting to each other and me just holding my fire, making sure I don't give away any slight tangent topics. There was one news round where we finished it and went to the ad break and said, well, we've just given away the first 20 minutes of a slight <laughs> tangent there. It's very hard not to. Luckily, we never run out of things yeah. to talk about. Well, that's the nature of it. So, Unfortunately uh, for the listener. Coming at you between eight and nine. A slight tangent, by the way, uh, sort of, uh, it was... Uh, born over the summer when there was no football but still a football show we had ample air time to fill and uh, for one hour on a given week we said well let's just almost in like a, an OTB raw way just chew the fat about whatever's going on and we didn't have a title even for it at that stage but there were many tangents hence the title some appalling suggestions from listeners as well as to what we might call the hour truly appalling <laughs> I mean, they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember any of them. That's how bad they Precisely. were. Precisely. Yeah, tr- I'm not sure. Truly awful. I'm not sure that what we came up with was actually any better. <laughs> no. But you get used to it the more you say it and it becomes a thing, you know. That is true. Richie McCormick, hello. Hey, gents. What would you call a slight tangent? Oh, God. Perfect. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be in that tone of voice. Yeah, you have to have that side just that perfect <laughs> each time. I'll, I'll, I'll do a proper voiceover for it where it's like, and now it's time for... Oh, God. Yeah. And off the ball. Perfect. That's actually very good. <laughs> Sponsored by. <Yeah. laughs> this is very disconcerting. So we're in the... Oh, uh, peek behind the curtain here, folks, if you're listening on the yeah, radio. I have the sausages made. We're usually in our uh, <laughs> studio that you would see, obviously, if you're uh, following us on social media or have the OTB Sports app. But uh, there's some upgrading work being done. And so we're back in the News Talk studio. I can... I can like can feel the time. warmth of Kieran Cuddy here in this seat. We're straight in. <laughs> um, so I can't see you, Richie. That's the yeah. very odd thing. You get so used to being able to see everyone all the time. This is like radio as we as we once knew it. Can you see us? Uh, I, I can see myself. No, but I can't see. I, I, I can see uh, a blurred screen. So essentially, it's just like I'm looking out of my right eye yeah. uh, the whole time. Uh, what I'm looking at now. So no, I can't see you. There you go. I find myself looking kind of like aimlessly at the ceiling while Richie is talking. I've noticed, yeah. It's amazing how reliant you become on these things. This is like going back in time for for us though, Joe. You know, this this used to be your your every night home. Yeah. Back in the day. Do you miss it? Sometimes. Before we got our own studio. Yeah, sometimes it's nicer. Especially a nicely dimly lit radio studio can be very comforting. You can't forget you're on air in the Off The Ball studio. That's true. That's true. I'm not sure dimly lit would be how I would describe the modern day news talk studio though I have to say no 4,000 watts of 
light bulb coming at us. It's <laughs> bright as well. The pre-record studio, not oh, to get no, too inside baseball here, but the, the one the one next door to us is beautiful, just like a lamp. Holy. I think that is that is how I imagined radio as a kid. Joe Ritchie thinks that that is the perfect uh, radio studio, not realising that the light is just broken there. And there's a temporary yeah. lamp there. But Joe's like, this is perfect. It's ambient. No, well, I think that's the, that is how you want to do a radio interview. Yeah. In the pitch dark. No, it's <laughs> yeah. nicely lit. Yeah, no, yeah. That's how I, that's yeah. how I, got, I got started in a, in, a, in, a, in a, like doing nighttime shows in a studio that was like pokey small and it was self-operating and it was, you know, I'd turn off most of the lights and you just have the ones over the desk so you can see what you're doing. And it's, it does offer that bit more of an air of, of intimacy than totally. the, than sitting in Times Square there like you are right now. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. It's a good way of putting it though. Yeah. We are, we are neoned. So we should press on. There is loads to uh, get to. Plenty of it is in your news round as well, Richie. The news round is brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember. It's that time of the year again. Effortless shave, magnificent Mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. And you are starting with uh, more good news on the boxing front. Like the, like the kind of the umbrella point here is that boxing, amateur boxing, as we know it, is seemingly cut from the Olympics in uh, several years, 2028. But and yet mm. Ireland continue to excel. So, I mean, hopefully that resolves itself very soon. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on the, the restructuring at IBA level happening anytime soon. No. But for sure, Ireland are, are continuing to excel. Uh, within those uh, four ropes anyway. Ireland securing at least four bronze medals at the European Elite Women's Boxing Championships today. More to come in the coming days as well. Westport's Shannon Sweeney was the first to secure a bronze with a second round stoppage in her 48 kg quarterfinal with Slovakia's Nicole Durakova. Michaela Walsh registered a majority decision win over Romania's Claudia Neshita to advance to the light flyweight semifinals. Kildare's Amy Broadhurst, she sealed at least a bronze in the light welterweight division with a TKO against Serbia's Milena Matovic. And completing an excellent day for Team Ireland was Christina Desmond's unanimous decision win over Sweden's Hannah Ingrid Hedda in the light middleweight division. Carly McNall, not so fortunate today, losing by a tight split decision in her flyweight quarterfinal with Italy's Elena Savchuk. Yeah, well done all. Much like our rowers, we take you all completely for granted at this stage, but we'll mm. try and speak to some of those medal winners in the coming days. Not such good news uh, around Liverpool way. Yeah, the Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has been charged with improper behaviour by the Football Association following Sunday's Premier League clash with Manchester City. The German was sent off by referee Anthony Taylor late in the game following an altercation with one of his assistants. Klopp has until Friday to respond. Meanwhile, the Liverpool boss has refuted claims of xenophobia that followed his comments about football's nouveau riche. Ahead of the City game, Klopp said no one can compete with state-owned clubs financially and he's adamant there was no discriminatory intent behind his comments. I'm not sure we have to be best friends with other clubs, to be honest, but um, I don't think anybody wants to be best friends with us, to be honest. Um, never heard about that, at least. It's a completely normal competition. But um, apart from that, again, it started here with a question and answered it, and, and then all the rest uh, was made of it. And I cannot... I know what I thought when I said it, and I thought I have put it all in perspective and said all... Um, how much I respect everything what they are doing um, and then <laughs> yes, obviously it was still not right for some um, but um, I think the most important thing I thought as a club as a and as a team together with our supporters we showed an incredible performance on, on some incredible performance I came to this story by first hearing <clears throat> Klopp defending himself of uh, xenophobia yeah. and I thought where, who 
surely they haven't put like some mindless idiots on Twitter saying this to Klopp. And then it turns out it's the Manchester City hierarchy briefing journalists saying much of the rancour that we saw at the weekend, admittedly much of it not good, Guardiola having co- coins thrown at him or the uh, the bus uh, being attacked, which has happened before there, none of it good. But to put it down to Klopp's, quote, borderline xenophobic, end quote, comments. Ridiculous. I, I can't believe how restrained he's being on that. Yeah. Because it is one of the most outrageous comments. And when something like that is reported that it's coming from Manchester City, then that gives free reign to the idiots on Twitter, the aforementioned idiots on Twitter, to go after him and declare, uh, you know, Jurgen Klopp guilty of xenophobia. Like, it's just a fact now. It's done. If you take if you take anything from the words that he said at the weekend, it was on Friday, on Friday wasn't yeah. it? And think that there's anything attached, like anything xenophobic attached to it, uh, rather than a comment about the, the ownership structure of football and the dominance and, and the advant- natural advantages of three teams over everybody else in the world, then you're looking for it. But what really annoys me is that you make the, a comment like that and people take it at face value and start almost debating it. Now, maybe I haven't. That might be a bit strong. I don't think anybody's accusing anybody's backing up the claim that Jurgen Klopp is. But again, it's it's a conversation that's been had on a different, uh, you know, on a different level now. It's not we're moving away from whether what Klopp said was worthy of further discussion, especially from people in, within the game. Well, in the main, thus far, generally the response across the media, various uh, common pieces, has been what a ridiculous accusation. Yeah. But Absolutely that's the aim of ridiculous it. Ridiculous What I'm saying is the aim of it. It's to move on the conversation away from the fact that Petra states are own three separate clubs in the world. And as Klopp said, you know, there are limits on the finances of every other club, including super clubs like Liverpool. You know what I mean? You have to be honest about that. Liverpool have huge advantages over others, but they have a, a stopping point where that isn't the case for three teams. That's all he said. It's objectively true and getting into arguments that include wild accusations of xenophobia is kind of disgusting, really. But even the arguments below that level where you're talking about bitterness and he's coming out with this, it's all nonsense because it's important that we talk about these things. And it was brilliant that Jurgen Klopp answered a question, by the way. He didn't bring it up. It wasn't an agenda that he set out in his press conference on, on Friday either. Well, I think even when he was asked the question on Friday, he said, with sort of the sigh that Richie gave us for our God... <laughs> yeah, he said, it was very like that. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say here, but if you want me to roll out the greatest hits and give you the answer, well, here is the answer. And then he made the point about the three clubs and they're owned by states and have no uh, ceiling and it's not good for football. But I mean, where is xenophobia? Oh, well, OK, where borderline xenophobia comes into that, I do not know. Uh, staying with Liverpool, Richie. Yeah, Diogo Jota is out of the World Cup. Uh, Klopp confirmed today that the Portugal forward suffered a serious calf injury in Sunday's win over City. He won't require surgery, though, but he definitely is out of that trip to Qatar. I mean, what a, what a surreal, miserable thing to miss the World Cup. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to, I mean, pretty much every player who's heading to Qatar over the next month is just petrified. Mm. We're now into, well, it sounds like his... Injury is more than innocuous, but we're now rich into that realm of innocuous injury that rules you out for three weeks, ends your World Cup. Yeah, I mean, there was even a moment during Sunday's game where they wanted to bring it back to a nil-nil draw of seeing Kieran Trippier go down for England. And you're thinking, they've had Reese James 
ruled out. Mm. Kyle Walker is probably ruled out. Trippier is definitely, if those two are going to be the front line right back. And then you're asking questions of, is there going to be an awkward conversation to be had with Trent Alexander-Arnold going, come on back in, son. We always uh, rated you, Trent. We always, um, you were always our guy. If England run out of right backs, <laughs> that is <just, laughs> one of the funniest stories of all time. But I think you're right, Joe, because there is that element of we're used to the Wayne Rooney metatarsal in May or, mm. you know, that, that sort of May injury that you have a month and a race to be fit. And some people yeah. are out and that's going to be the case any time no, of year. No good but World Cup is complete without a race against time. No, but in this case, there's almost no race against time because no, there's no, there's, we're straight into the World Cup. And if you're not going to be available for the group stages, you're not going to be in a squad. Yeah. You know, so, uh, Last, yeah, exactly. This is another another casualty of the stupidly timed World Cup. <laughs> Last round fixtures literally a week before opening World Cup games. So, Say you do muscle and it's three to four weeks out. Yeah. That's your World Cup. It is really, yeah. yeah. Petrifying. Every time you sprint. I'd be on a go slow from about mid-November. Like, there's no underlying, like it, it can only, you can only repeat it so many times, but what an absolute nonsense it is to have this World Cup in the middle of a season. And the fact that they haven't ruled out possibly doing it again because, you know, it might make somebody else happy to, to stage it in, in winter months <clears throat> and make it more palatable. But it's just insane that you have these players who are running at full tilt into the middle of a season, have this massive wedge of a World Cup plonked in the middle of it to to overcome, and then they're back out the other side sprinting towards the end of the season. It, 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 like There are player welfare concerns, and the, the last thing anybody wants to hear is that multimillionaires are, are being flogged to death. But there is a case to be made that these players, they didn't sign up for this. Nobody signed up for this. And you are going to have a really, I'd imagine you're going to have a, 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 a it's going to have a negative impact on, on title races, not just in England, but across uh, Europe in particular, uh, save for the ones that are probably put to bed before Christmas, because this is just nuts. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, the other side of that argument, and I'm not sure where I fall down on it, is that actually a World Cup is going to mean fewer games for a lot of these English-based players than the Christmas schedule might lead to otherwise. I mean, they would be playing... So, I mean, if you're just in the group stages, you're playing three games across whatever it'll be at the World Cup, 10, 11, 12 days territory. I mean, they're actually going to dodge the, the madness of the Christmas schedule. Now, as to what it means for them, as you say, Rich, towards the end of the season, maybe they flatline then and there's like this awful emotional come down into January. Uh, that remains to be seen. But it, like for some of them, they'll be looking at December saying, it's actually a lot better than what I'm usually being forced to do in December. So it's, it's hard to predict. I don't know how it's all going to play out. We'll see. Yeah, but there's also the there's also the emotional or... Uh, you know, side of a World Cup, and I don't mean like you know, to play for your country, but it's a, such a different. It's it's such a like a pinnacle of careers in some ways, and you're going off, and your your mindset is completely changed. It's not just an international window, you know what I mean? Sure. It's the World Cup, and then you're coming back to play in. The, if you're in the Premier League, you're playing Stevens Day fixtures. Yeah. Like if you go f- deep into the world, even to the quarterfinals, you know what I mean? Yeah. That is such a mindset change to jump into, and then they're playing three days later again. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, f- I find the whole thing is going, I don't think it's going to be about the amount of games played in the season. I think mm. it's going to be about the the almost the ups and downs and the, right. the changing mindsets uh, all the way through. I think it's just going to cripple people, to be honest. Yeah. Well, look, I guess in truth, we have to get used to it because it's probably going to happen every 20 years, 24 years, there'll be a Middle Eastern World Cup. Ah, we don't have to get used to that. I'll only, that many, oh, yeah. We'll only have to experience <laughs> it once more, maybe twice more. Listen, you better get used to this because <laughs> once every 20 this years. This could happen once more. Yeah. 
so we're hoping Nathan Collins is back in the side this evening. Yeah, confirmation in the last two minutes that he actually is. Wolves caretaker boss Steve Davis says Nathan Collins' return to the side will add some much-needed leadership. That speaks volumes considering his age. The Republic of Ireland defender is back in the Wolves' defence for tonight's trip to Crystal Palace, having served a three-match suspension. Joe Hodge and Conor Ronan both on the bench for Wolves, as well as an 8-15 start at Selhurst Park. Tonight's other game in the Premier League sees the bottom side Nottingham Forest go to Brighton. Uh, text in the xenophobia argument is such a transparent change in the subject surely it will backfire on City I think it will in the eyes of most but you know yourself this is going to be turned into a Man City fans chant pretty soon and it'll just be this thing which is thrown at him like the Wenger voyeur nonsense you know that, that's, yeah. th- that, that's the awfulness of it it's th- just this kind of thing that they're going to make a thing now even though it's completely ridiculous so mm. I think it'll backfire in the eyes of most right thinking people but then again you're talking about a bunch of people who also wrote uh, cop murderers all over the away end toilets on Sunday. Yeah, and and chanted that again. And look, that was that was condemned by City, but then borderline excused by again that point that it was Klopp's that fault. Klopp had incensed everybody. You know, like as if that somehow excuses uh, you know people mocking the dead. So I don't know. I obviously <laughs> his quotes down in a certain way on this story. His show. quotes, by the way, on Friday, which were apparently so incendiary, were. Uh, I suppose the, the meat of his answer was there are three clubs in world football who can do what they want financially. It's legal. Everything's fine, but they can do whatever they want. Competing with them, it's not possible to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not setting my hair on fire. But that, like, I, fi- I think we'll get into this a little bit later. What I found most aggravating about the response to this was journalists saying, oh, well, you dropped 80 million on Nunes, you know, as if like, that's like as if no team had ever done that before. As if the fact that Manchester City have bought seven centre halves for more than thirty million until they get the right one isn't the actual isn't a bigger issue than that. You know, it's not like this. Like all coming down to gross figures all the time, as opposed to exactly what Klopp is saying, which is freedom. You know, to do what you want. Well, basically, they can, they can give Haaland the million a week that he wants. He's getting. They can make a hundred million pound mistake on Jack Grealish and How it can have you? no impact on them whatsoever. You take that back about Jack Grealish. <laughs> okay, sorry. They could make a possible mistake yet to be proven <laughs> on, uh, sorry, allegedly. <laughs> what are the other safe words uh, on Jack Grealish? But if Nunes is a flop, that's going to haunt Liverpool. Sure. And that's a massive difference. Yeah. So, uh, Munster after the feel good of the weekend, Rich, few injury concerns. A lot of injuries across the board, actually, at the moment in rugby. Yeah, they really do. Uh, Edwin Adogbu needs a scan on a calf issue after that win over the Bulls and ahead of the game with Leinster, while Ty Byrne and Craig Casey have groin injuries. Calvin Nash and Stephen Archer will have their availability assessed closer to Saturday's game. Roman Salanoa almost certainly out following the return to play protocols he is this week. The timing of Byrne and Casey's injuries in particular are a worry considering Andy Farrell is due to name his Ireland squad for the Autumn Internationals tomorrow. Munster forwards coach Andy Kiriakou was asked about Byrne's chances of a swift return today. Um, again, we're just going to give him as much time as we can. Um, I'm sure his body will let us know uh, in good time. Um, you know, we, we obviously want him out playing for us. Um, but I feel that where we are this time of the year, rolling into the World Cup as well, we've got to give the lads as much of a chance as possible as well to go and play for Ireland. So we'll just we'll take advice from the medical team and Tig's body itself. I'm sure between them two, they'll let us know. Razzy Erasmus been talking, Rich. 
Yeah, the Springboks have named a 26-man training squad ahead of their Northern Hemisphere tour, which begins, of course, on November 5th against Ireland. The Bulls' Johan Goosen is their only specialised out-half in that squad. Henry Pollard is out of the tour with a knee injury, while Elton Yanchis hasn't been considered due to a lack of game time. After the Aviva, a box A side will head to Cork for a solo game with Munster, and Razi Erasmus has promised a strong side will see action at Porky Cueve. The former Munster head coach has also vowed to honour his promise to bring his World Cup winner's medal to the grave of Anthony Foley. What Munster did to me on a coaching level, not just the people, but the players and the assistant coaches, and when, when Axel passed away, uh, I think the way I hopefully grew as a person and understand things better and, and people better, because I maybe wasn't great at it and I'm maybe average at it now, uh, I'll certainly make a plan, you know. Um, yeah, I'll definitely meet up with my sister and hopefully Jerry is there around, which is not of Harlequins, and me and Felix will definitely try and make a turn there. And yeah, I'll definitely keep my promise, because um, Axel played a big part in those f- short few months. Uh, um, it was tough times for us. Uh, when we started out, but we ended uh, really as two close friends, and I love the monster and and the Irish people. As Sean has texted in to fight three one six, Liverpool will have a very rested Diaz, Jota, and Salah for the second half of the season, which is a fair point. Although I think by turn. Erling Haaland will be quite well rested as well <laughs> come January. Uh, Hugh and Cork lads, the World Cup may actually be worth watching because the players will be relatively fresh. So the quality should be better than recent editions. Postseason tournaments are flogging players, says Hugh and Cork. I think that's that. true. That oh, go on. I'm, I'm with uh, <clears throat> Hugh and Cork on that one. I think, I think I, we will I see w- a fresher bunch. I suffered through those World Cup playoffs that were played in Qatar. I was keeping an eye on, on all of them they had that week. The ones that saw Australia uh, qualify with the with the mad goalkeeper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the games are noticeably slower um, because of the weather there. Even with the air conditioning and even with the uh, lack of daytime temperatures, like the heat there is oppressive, and it's not going to lend itself to teams going all out hell for leather trying to win seven matches in the space of a month it's going to be very cautious it's going to be bogged down by the by the heat especially games that are played earlier in the day and you're going to see the you know teams being a little bit more cautious I would suspect uh, judging from those games because like it's not a place to be playing football at all oh, but I think temperatures December are 20 to 24 mm, that's the humidity talk- the humidity yeah right. like it's There's it's still going to be tiring and warm yeah okay I'd uh, watch. I'm sure you've seen it yourselves, Gary Neville, doing yeah. that recent tour of Qatar, and he was talking about 20 degrees most days December. So, remains to be seen, I suppose. But certainly the freshness, if it's any way tolerable, the temperatures, the freshness point, I think, is a fair one. And I, there's all these reasons I don't want this World Cup to be good, but it's almost the first time in our lifetime we'll see fresh players going. Do you know the other thing? I don't know if you're what your your thoughts are. So. For uh, a lot of the last couple of weeks, we're seeing the size of Qatar and the World Cup stadiums uh, planted down on, you know, Wex- yeah, Wexford. Wexford. Yeah. Wexford town to Bunclody, I think, yeah. is as north as it gets. Yeah. yeah. And Richard so, Keyes says he can see five five stadiums alone from his balcony. Oh, yeah. I read so, that. God bless Keyes. Did you read that interview as well? <laughs> Big balcony, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, God, I did, Joe. You best believe I parsed through that for We need to talk about that. Gold you? that's in that. Keyes yeah. and Gray. I think. Uh, Andy's a more sensitive soul, isn't he? Oh, That's what well, came across. He, he, he did pull out the typical David Brent line of, uh, how can I be a sexist? I've got a daughter and a girlfriend or whatever the, the line was. But 
he essentially said he can't be sexist because they're female members of his family, um, which is always a, a good laugh. Um, but no, I, he seems like the one who wants to steer away from controversy. And then he's got his, his firebrand who's leading him into the blogosphere and onto Twitter with his ludicrous kind of opinions about uh, almost everything. Well, to park, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun interview. Yeah, to park the two boys for a moment. So <laughs> I get the madness of having a World Cup on, on that smaller country and what it's going to mean for accommodation. And they're, they're I mean, they're literally having to bring in cruise ships to try and have mm. everyone. And, and like they're talking about how we're four hours from four billion of the world's people uh, by fl- uh, flight so you can come in and come out and all that kind of stuff. So I get that there's a lot of downsides to a World Cup in a place that small, not least the fact that there's just no use for all these stadiums. Yeah, what a complete exactly. waste of money. It's 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 a dis- it, it, it like it's um one of the great examples of of just waste on oh, so many yeah, different yeah. fronts. However, n- briefly just parking that for a moment and, and only briefly. <laughs> Loads of problems with every positive thing I say. <laughs> yeah. Take that as a given. A lot of problems. Okay, I acknowledge. Come at me. A lot of problems. I know. But if you are there and you manage to have accommodation, there is something I would say very appealing about the fact you could see three World Cup games a day. Like I was in Brazil in 2014 and I mean, you're talking five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hour flights from one venue to another. Mm. Like you're all over the place. You're, you're disconnected. You're in this, this bubble. And the only time I had a real, you know, a kind of multinational sense was in Rio when, because Rio was just a hub, regardless of where games were on. So you had fans arriving from all parts of the world and congregating. And I remember being in Cabana. Uh, beach in, in the evening time and you've got thousands of different hundreds not thousands but hundreds of different nationalities all mixing and blending and yeah. it kind of felt festively mm. yeah, I think that's not so, such a bad aspect Qatar World Cup better than Canada, USA, Mexico I, it, there's, you know for what I mean? that particular for that particular reason yeah. it, it will be like a melting pot mm. what about Spain, Portugal and Ukraine <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm for that for different reasons I'm ultimately <laughs> against the Guitar World Cup but just the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the like there is, no, that, there is a World Cup in Wexford yeah. you know you get yeah. to see it's insane yeah, like no, it's, sorry I, you're, like, your point is so well made except for the fact that I just can't get past the fact that all these World Cup stadia are in a place the size of like by the way it's not even just Wexford like I mean as I said like it's just like there's one stadium up as far north as Bunclody and everything else is basically Wexford town <laughs> You know, like this is madness. Yeah, no. It, what it, are they going to do with all those stadiums? Knock them down. I don't know. They don't care. It's, like it's, it's much. Exactly. It's much like the, this is what this is what this is the point that Klopp is alluding to. Ultimately, is that these countries can do what the hell they like. Whereby, if we build a stadium, we have to get the utmost use out of it, and it has to have seven concerts a year, five finals, and, and multiple internationals. Whereas they can put this up at the cost of God knows how much money and God knows how many lives knock it down straight afterwards and it's not even a consideration of theirs and you parlay that into football clubs and what they can do there and it's it, it, there's waste there's uh, avarice there's all kinds of uh, just greed associated with it and it's wrong ultimately mm. Fellas we're out of time Richie thank you On that cheery note Yes indeed <laughs> Michael McCarthy thanks very much See you soon Joe